We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hello, everybody. Jim Hackett, Pete Davidson. It is Friday, September 14th, a fantasy football podcast. A little bonus special for you. We'll be back on air on Sunday, live at 8 a.m. Last week, we had our two-hour extravaganza on Saturday night. And uh, Pete and I were joking. Like, you know, Saturday night radio, I felt like, you know, spinning classic rock, classic rock. But I thought we had a good show. We got a lot done. But we're back live in the studio uh, 8 to 9 on Sunday morning. And, you know, get your lineup questions in at uh, 37937. We'll be ready, ready for you. We'll do a little lightning round at the end of the show and give you some good content. But uh, without further ado, Mr. Pete Davidson. How are hey, you, man? What's up, bud? I'm good, man. How are you? I, I, just along the lines of what you were just saying, I'm in the process right now of getting my sleep cycle back to early mode. Because yeah. last week I, 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 I altered my sleep process to to be an old guy who's actually awake at 11 o'clock. And you could <laughs> sleep in on Sunday, which is rare. You know? That part was miraculous. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, I... Uh, it was it was fun being on on the air at night. Saturday night Saturday was fun. Night. We had two hours. We we kind of we, we got to yuck it up a lot, and we actually were able to talk Pats for like the first, you know, I'd say right. quarter to third of the show, and then we walked the whole NFL slate. The only game we didn't right. get to was the last Monday night game, so we had plenty of time. We could really we could take our time. We could yeah. be thoughtful. We screwed that up. We should have skipped the Jets entirely. And talked about. Well, but Rams, looking back but... at it, the Jets, the Jets was the the. the you know, I'm looking back at Monday night. I refuse to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. I, I hear you, man. Well, you know what? Here's You're like a thing. Red Sox fan before 2004. You know? Uh, yes, that's true. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And or a Patriot fan, like before the, 01. the day the day before Parcells took the job. Yes. Because you know? um, that's you know, and that's we probably have talked about this before, but that's one of I think. Maybe one of the underappreciated parts of the whole Patriot Dude, metamorphosis. I can tell you right where I was. The guy in the studio. So I'm in I'm in a, in a podcast studio now. It faces the main studio. All right, and Dale Arnold and Rich Keefe are in there right now. They're going live. It's like about one thirty in the afternoon. And uh, I was I was on Route One Twenty Eight in Burlington, coming off of exit thirty three B. And when Dale came on, Dale was the midday guy as he is now. And uh he announced that Robert Kraft bought the team. I was like pumping my fist because <laughs> I because I thought um because at that point, you know, they had won their last four games and and it looked like James Orthwine, who uh was from who's an Anheuser Busch guy, he was gonna bring them to St. Louis. So it's like, oh they're just getting good. Like they, they've got Parcells, they're just getting good, they've got Bledsoe, they've won four in a row, and they're gonna go to fucking St. Louis. And I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> and uh, I was a season ticket holder and then but Dale announced That's that right, Kraft was the savior. Kraft was the savior. Kraft bought the team and then off they went. And it was just unbelievable. And and so yeah, that's a big we, we it gets talked about around here is like the you know, the, the kind of the Patriots like um not Mount Rushmore, but like a s like a like a pie, you know, in terms of like where the most value is, and like Belichick's got probably the biggest piece, and Brady's got the big uh, piece as big as Belichick and Kraft, but Parcells gets Parcells gets a, a piece of that pie as well. As does Bledsoe, you know. Cause and, he, and, and and here's a, here's a, here's gonna this is gonna be an unpopular take, but when you hear my whole 
No, go ahead. Little, I'm little sure it'll be well reasoned. Yeah. But but Pete Carroll's a good part of it too, which is I know people won't agree with. But, yeah, I mean just because here's, he, here's, he, here's, he forced Kraft to get Belichick. No, no, you know. no, that's not it. It's here's here's what I'm here's what I'm saying. Is that now what year did Parcells show up? Was it ninety three? Ninety three. Okay, yeah. ninety three. So here's here's my point. Starting in ninety three and from that point till today. <clears throat> The Patriots have always had a top-flight coach. Now, we didn't know Pete Carroll was back then, but as it turns out, he was. And as a Jet fan, I knew it because he never should have been fired. I remember you saying that. He's like a football nerd. I wasn't buying it. I'm like, this guy's soft. I don't like him. And Well, that was his rep coming out of New York because yeah. he allowed the team to play basketball and they had like a barbecue and everyone's like, he's soft, which was, of course, stupid. But you know, He does have a wet fish handshake. I shook his hand once. I was like appalled. It's the New York media. I mean, they don't know anything. But, um, but here's my point. My point is the second they brought in Parcells, professional coaching. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and the whole organizational shift occurs. And as a Jet fan, I saw it happen when Parcells came in, too. He starts firing people all, all over the organization. Yep. He has no tolerance for fools, no tolerance for people who aren't on board. Um, I remember his famous quote when he came to the Jets was, the complaint department's on the fourth floor. Yeah, I remember that. And it's a three-floor building. <laughs> right. Um, and, but... So, to me, the Patriots becoming a great organization started in 93, and when no Parce- question. when Parcells left and Carroll came in for what was it two years? Yeah, he was there for he was there for three, three years. They three went, years of Pete Carroll. They went so, ten and six, nine and seven, and eight and eight. They went right uh, coming off of eleven and five and a Super Bowl appearance. So. Right, right. So I mean, look, Carroll didn't light it up, but the, all the players in your organization were getting good coaching. So what happened for the Patriots from '93 to when Belichick started? You had good coaching. Yeah. So you had players in the system who knew how to work hard, who knew how to be pushed, who were getting the proper information on technique. Yep. And then Belichick comes in, and everybody's like, "Ah, this team isn't that good." Now, now what did Belichick do his first year? He went five and eleven. Five and eleven. Belichick comes in, installs a system, does a little bit going back to go forward, and then boom. The big thing in two thousand, the big thing in two thousand, when he took them over, when they went five and eleven, was um, there were a couple things. One, that that team was still kind of looking back at the Parcells team that went to the Super Bowl four years ago. Um, right, and it helps that team when you bring in a bunch of those old guys. Yeah, so they had some of those remnant, those like remnant parts. You, I'm you know, talking about coaches when I say guys. Yeah, right, but. Um, but in terms of players, right? And they went five and eleven, and 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 I'll never forget like the fullback. The Patriots have always had like good, strong, impact players at fullback. Right now, it's Jim James Devlin. You know what I mean? So and, right. and Pats fans know him. But back when Parcells yeah, and so does so does Jeremy Hill. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was that, was that tough sucked, to watch. man. That's a, that's a, yeah. And yeah, I, I like Hill, the, man. He's, the irony of that is Jeremy Hill. Hustling his ass off, yeah, and that's what gets him. And out. you and I killed him for being lazy a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't like using that word, but yeah, he I, was. He, he was playing like a guy who was a little satisfied. Yeah, and not a good thing for him because his film, his rookie year and his last year at LSU were the opposite. He was a hungry player. Yeah, and he looked like a hungry player for the Patriots this year, and he was playing hungry. And you were seeing that old Jeremy Hill, who's got a lot of talent. Um, and it's a shame that. You know, he was hustling on that play, and so was Devlin. Yeah. Um, and 
I saw that and I knew it. I knew it. I knew it the first time I saw it. Yeah. I'm like, yep, that's a knee. No way around it. Yep. And you, it, could, it, you could see it. There's no way that much Devlin hits your knee and your knee survives. No, he's a powerful guy. Yeah. But where, where I was going with that with Devlin is they've always had guys like that. You know, they've had Kevin Turner and Sam. Well, Gash Belichick. And, Belichick brought a lot of those guys from the Jets. Guys like remember Rudolph and uh, yeah, Victor Green and uh, you know a lot of those like linemen who aren't sexy but they get it done. Right. You know, so so where I'm Sorry. going, well, that's okay. But but they had a guy named Mark Edwards, and I'll never forget it. Like in in one when they started winning, he was on on the big show, and they're like, he's like, guys, you guys are just you're just winning, you're just winning, you're beating people. Remember that first miracle year where the Patriots won their first Super Bowl? I mean, they were they were the comeback kids. They were winning in the last minute. That crazy plays. David Patton like caught a ball on his head and went out of bounds. Like all sorts right. of stuff like that. This is two thousand one. Two thousand one. Right. But Mark Edwards was the fullback then, and he actually said something I'll never forget. He goes, you know, I, I would tell you, even though last year we were five and eleven, he goes, every game was like that as well. It's just the plays didn't go our way. And 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 what what changed from those two years was Parcells went out. Sorry, Belichick went out, and he got a bunch of like really impact players, and he started to change the complexion of what was the remaining core of '96, right? And making giving them their own identity in '01, but keeping the core pieces: Law, McGinnis, Troy Brown, right, Vinatieri, right, and then all new pieces. And 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 I wrote, but but, but, and, 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 but then also like those glue guys, David Patton. You know, well, like I was just no. He was, but David Brian Co- Cox. You know, like yeah. just mean. Well, I wrote. Players. I wrote an article like back in August thirtieth that it's you know clues on how the Patriots will approach the QB of the future, and it said basically what they're going to do is they're going to do what they always do. So I'm I'm going to rattle off in one You mentioned the guy Patton, but Patton wasn't one of the holdovers. He was right. one. Of the, he was one of the free agents. So right. The, no, that's, yeah, that's what I yeah. So here, but here are the free agents they went out and got that year. I'm going to roll just some of them. Okay, in one so you had the core guys, you know, they needed to kind of forget that they were the Parcells 96 Super Bowl loser, but they kept the core guys. They kept Ty Law, Willie McGinnis, um, Troy Brown, Adam Vinatieri, maybe a couple others, Tabaki that I'm not thinking about. But right. here are the free agent guys they got. They got Mike Vrabel, yeah. Roman Pfeiffer, right. Brian Cox. Cox was huge. Antoine Smith. Bobby Hamilton? Beham was there. Um, He's one of those guys. Anthony Pleasant. Anthony Pleasant. A a perfect example. Yep. Like those guys, you didn't even notice them, but that was sort of the point. Yep. They're not making mistakes. Yeah, and and that's really what that's really what kind of changed. So you're right. The foundation was built back in '93. It went all the way through. Um, you know, and McGinnis finally started getting healthy. <laughs> that was a big deal. He yep. he was never healthy, and they they had what I think is a Hall of Famer on that roster that wasn't named Tom Brady, which is Ty Law. So they had some pieces. They had those pieces were a little frustrated. They came off a shitty year in two thousand. Seymour. Yeah, Seymour, they drafted uh, the right. next oh, that, that year, right? He was a draft right. pick. So right. think about those those additions. You know what I mean? So it was um, that that's kind of how it all started rolling. And and, um, and you we know. talked about this, but that was back when the Patriots were like the only team in football playing three four. Yes. Yeah. So all of those hybrid linebackers they were able to get on the cheap, right. where you actually have to pay for those guys now. Right. But back then, when Parcells left the Jets, Belichick was like the only guy in football running his scheme. Yeah, so the rest of the league was doing a 4-3. Right. And like the Patriot, you know, so it's like, okay, well. So Mike Vrabel is like free. Right. So we could get, okay, we could go get the 20th best, you know, 4-3 player, or we can probably get the third best 3-4 player. Let's go that way. And they did, and they won. Yeah, Belichick Belichick will just, he's an opportunist. Yeah, zig when you zag. He always has been. Yep. 
All right, so we took our trip down memory lane. That was fun. That's that actually we should. Well, it was cut. fun for you. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but we should we should cut and paste that and put it in the dead the dead reference society. That's that's going to be our. No, we got it. No, we got. I love the dead reference this society. Is the, yes, we do. But there's a reason it's the dead reference well, society. Okay. But the, we, t- we have... tweet us at at, at wei hacks on <laughs> at rotobon if you if you want to hear the the dead reference society podcast. I'll I'll do it every week. <laughs> I'll do it every week. I don't even need a reason. See, there's a dead re- there's a dead reference right there. <laughs> that that would be Carl Spackler. Um, for those who didn't get that yeah. subtle reference, yeah. um, did you read my column this week? I, I've been I've been, Sandy, I've, if I kill all the golfers, I've been throwing some references in like all my columns, and a couple of people got one. I, I threw, I threw. Okay, you know what? Here's something interesting. I threw a couple. Uh, I have not Blazing seen, Saddles ones in. Okay, I have not seen your column this week, and here's something that I'm realizing, and yep. it's and it ticks me off. But Twitter's algorithm, mm. like I count on seeing your tweet on your article, and then I click the tweet and read your article. Yeah. But I don't see all your tweets. Why? Because the algorithm is keeping me from seeing them. I, this is something that I've been learning about the last couple of weeks. But mm. but Twitter is showing you the things that they think you want to see, or the things that. Is that why I have such a shitty following? <laughs> I, no, but it's 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 they are they're prior prioritizing like the big accounts over little accounts. Yeah. So like when I first got on Twitter, if anybody that I follow tweets, I see the tweet. Right, that's how it always used to be. I I don't. It doesn't work that way anymore. Wow. I I I set myself back to the um. What do you call it? The, they must uh, know. I think Jen Royal's hot because I see all of her tweets. <laughs> no comment. Um. <laughs> so. Actually, let me see. I actually I retweeted this yesterday, but there's a site that I plan on checking out, and it apparently will reset your timeline back to the way it used to be, huh. where you'll see everything in chronological order without giving extra weight to the big accounts and stuff like that. But gotcha. I definitely want to get my account fixed like that because it's important that you see my articles. Like, it, and I actually, you know, well, yes. I mean, well, in your case, I'll just go. I, like, if you just tell me you wrote an article, I'll go find it and read it. Yeah. But like for other people who I don't talk to every day, I mean, you're missing good I, stuff. The thing I liked about Twitter was that I controlled my feed. Yeah, I don't want Big Brother hamming up my feed. When did this change? I it, I think it's changed over time. Mm. Um, I think they sort of slow rolled it, and I mean, I'm sort of talking on my backside because I'm not a techie and I don't know everything about. No, this. you're right though, because there's definitely stuff I used to get that I do, I do not see unless I go out of my way to see. I wonder what this guy's saying about this. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, I. I let me see if I can find well, this. Anyway, this week, so the, the column this came makes out. makes for great radio. That's all right. My but the, the, column, the, the column came out yesterday. Do you know what the name of it was? It's no, called, no, it's, tell me. It, people, people are talking and they're all stupid. <laughs> and, uh, and and people liked it. It got, it got a lot of good well, that's, feedback. that's evergreen. Yeah, well, that's kind of my thing. It's like with people that just say stuff with no depth, I, it, dri- it drives me crazy. So that, that the, if you look at a theme of my articles, whether it's Red Sox, Patriots. Yeah, you're my podcast or, part. Yeah. <laughs> but like that's kind of where I go. But like what was driving me crazy it was the narrative this week about the um, about the Patriots coaching tree and like how, quote unquote, none of them can be successful as a head coach. And I'm like – Stuff it. I mean, there's like there's a there's a lot of they're, they're probably right though. They might be right, but 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 they don't offer any depth behind it. So I went into my article and well, and that's like, see that's what's lame is when it's just a narrative, a driven. statement like Max Kellerman, like the cliff is coming for Brady. Just back it up, douchebag. Like well, so, it, it drives me crazy. The cliff is coming for Brady. Well, yeah, I mean, it, but, but the he's thing been is, saying when you it for three years, the, right? Well, you know, four he's, years. He's five. obviously he's obviously locked in, and someday he's going to be right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but isn't that? Great, and every day until then, he's wrong. Well, look, you know, 
that's the media, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody well, wa- everybody it, wants to set up their little I was right moment. Well, that's, I'm there to capture him and tell him to F and off. Max, and Ke- Ke- <laughs> that's well, what Mac, I do. Max you know? Kellerman sucks. He's, he, you know. He's he, a talking I, head. I could give a flying. You can say it. No, say it. I, say it. I, I don't like to say it. You know me. I'm a parent, <laughs> and I, I'm conditioned to not swear. Although, I promise you, someday live on air, I'll curse. Yes. You can bank on it. And, I'm a parent, and, and I swear like a longshoreman. And, and our, our, our producer will be there probably like going through his texts. He'll miss the seven-second delay button, right. and all of New England will hear me curse. But um, – and, you know, like – for example, I can't find this tweet I sent yesterday. But, but anyway, um, yeah, the, the 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 timeline thing on Twitter is, it's getting a little messed up. Yeah, and it's like my only other mainstream option is Facebook. So it's not like I'm going to leave Twitter because mm. Facebook is just yeah, like, it is. I I don't even know what to say about Facebook. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I I you know I don't like the fact that they're starting to. Uh, Put a, put their thumb on the scale. Yeah. Well, anyway, how how we got on that was like there are some like my columns always have like a like movie references in there. So like you know, but this week I did like I was saying that you know that narrative is genuine frontier gibberish. And in the comments section on EEI, people are like nice little Blazing Saddles reference, and then they're like, oh, I didn't know we, I I didn't know if I was the only one who caught that. So thank you to the people who caught that. You, you can listen <laughs> to the Dead Reference Society. That's kind of where we were going. Well, we are the Dead Reference yeah. Society. Yeah, well, for sure. I like that about us. It it really just means that we're old and we can't let go. <laughs> I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. I don't want to go to school. I want to stay back with you guys. <laughs> All right. So let's get into some fantasy football. 16 um, candles. Yes. Um, it was a a hell of a week for injuries for week one. Huh? For some prominent guys. I mean, you know, we saw Greg Olson go down, Leonard Fournette, uh, Devontae Freeman, Rodgers on Sunday night with his amazing performance after that. You know, Delaney Walker, Doug Baldwin. I mean, there's Mariota. Some big ones, you know what I mean, that people anchored, you know, a lot of their lineups, uh, their teams to. Baldwin's a good example of uh, when you see a guy who maybe shouldn't be playing and then they get hurt. Mm. Like Baldwin, I, you know, he he did that knee in the middle of August and they were sort of – Initially, it was sort of 50-50 whether he'd be able to get back for week one, and he yeah, made it back. He's been questionable all throughout August. Right, and then yeah. boom, significant knee injury. And he, it just makes you wonder, was he out there playing when he shouldn't have been? Yeah. And I, you know, and, and look, I'm not trying to accuse Seattle of doing anything wrong. But I do think that that whole element exists. We saw it with our G3 a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. They shouldn't have put him out there. Yeah. Um, and when you are playing in an NFL football game, and you're compromised, I, I, I think your chances of getting hurt go up dramatically. Yeah, and I, I think that's a team, we talked about Carroll a little bit earlier, but he, he's, I think he's going to do whatever it takes to win because I think he's got a tough road ahead of him this year. They lost a lot on their defense. They and, did lose a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was, I've noticed that Seattle fans, <laughs> it's funny how quickly fan bases turn on the best thing they've ever had. Oh, yeah. Um, but if I'm a Seattle fan... The idea of getting rid of Pete Carroll is insane, uh, but it's not because they're talking about it. I'm sure. And, and, and like I, if Pete Carroll is a bad year, people are going to be calling for his head. And you just wonder, like, how many years does a fan base have to lose to appreciate winning? Yeah, it's a great you know, point. Yeah, I, I, like I mean, as a Jet fan, I'm sitting there going, my team hasn't been to a Super Bowl. Since the '60s, yeah, and the since idea the, since the league merged, I mean right, that was the year, right? right? 
I don't even know what a Super Bowl feels like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never been there. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. so uh, it, it, it's, you know, it's like a foreign concept to me. Mm. The idea that I, my team would get a coach who would take us there twice yeah. and win one and was one play away from winning another yeah. and that you know we're in a down cycle, so now we're going to get rid of him is insane to me. Yeah. Also to um, the way he did it, like it was, it was very innovative. He, I, I like like a guy like Belichick. When you, when you zig, when everyone else zags, he had those, you know, everyone was going for quickness, right, in the, in the, uh, in the secondary. He had those, the Legion of Boom. He built big, strong, tough guys that turned well, out, they hey, were, these guys they were, shut people down. They were quick too, though. They were. <laughs> no, they were alphas. There were no question yeah. about well, it. Well, Carroll knows what he's looking for. He knows the athlete that yeah. he likes. I remember when I talked to him at the Combine, um, I put the quote in the article. His the quote that he said, which it doesn't make sense, but you know, it's one of those coach things where, I he you know, it doesn't necessarily make grammatical sense, but I know what he meant. Mm. He said, "Big fast guys are the fewest around." Yeah, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, there you know, size and speed is very rare, and that's one of the things that they target out there, and it worked for them big time and they've they've had they've been striking out a little bit the last couple yeah. of years and their the contracts blew up they couldn't keep everybody some of these guys got old uh and now they have to rebuild it um and, and look maybe pete carroll's going to retire at some point he's getting up there yeah he's 66 or 65 right. so he might be done soon but the idea that you would want to push him out the door yeah to me is nuts no i agree with you and he he actually tried to do he actually tried to do that um you know, big and fast secondary thing when he was here. He drafted to Bucky Jones. Now, T-Buck took a little time. They had him at cornerback, and that's not really what he was, but they moved him to safety, and he was a monster on those early Super Bowl yeah. championship uh, teams for the Pats. I mean, so you got a clue of what he he was interested in, in all the way back then when he drafted him in the 90s. You know? He's a good, listen, Pete Carroll's a really good defensive coach. Yep. Um, you know, the, the, some of the players in Seattle basically said, you know, his speeches have gotten old. Well, hey. You know, if you, if you coach the same team for <laughs> like what, what, how many, how long has he been with Seattle now? Eight years, seven oh, wow, years. Yeah, um, yeah. Like the being, stories get old after a it's while. It's like being like, married. You know, you, you, my, right. my, my, my poor wife has heard my stories like yeah. a thousand times. I so. have. I can only imagine my <laughs> poor wife. So, but the, you know me longer. <laughs> I, I, well, that's true. <laughs> uh, but I remember that happening with the Knicks. It was like Pat Riley's fourth or fifth season. Yeah. Right before he left, and everybody thought it was a good idea in New York. Yeah, way to go, guys. Yeah, hasn't, uh, like hasn't, I remember, been, oh, hasn't been very good for them. But I, well, I, I mean, I'm sure you don't remember this, but you know, like Riley wanted a piece of the team. He's like, I want a little bit. He's like, I want to be involved in ownership. He didn't want to be a, an owner. Right. But he wanted, you know, a little piece. Some equity. Piece. He wanted yeah, equity. he wanted a piece. Yeah. Hey, so now only New York would see that as a bad thing. Right. Right? It's like, oh, Pat Riley wants to actually get a part of our city. He wants to actually get a part of the Knicks like a smart fan and a smart writer would say that's good right that means we're gonna that means Pat Riley's gonna be here yeah so no no the Knicks see that as some type of threat mm. and the next thing you know Pat Riley's running the heat yeah how did that work out yeah <laughs> how did that work out Knicks worked out so, pretty good for the heat that's what happens when an organization goes into a pr- protective attitude yeah versus a proactive attitude you know Robert Kraft was said sure I'll give you two percent of the team yeah you know you know, you want a show? I'll give you a show. You know, what What do you want, Pat? <laughs> because I remember what it was like before you were the coach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pat Riley for the Knicks was a before and after event. Yeah. He was Parcells for the Patriots. Yeah. It was the same, ex- and it happened almost at the same time. 
right? Yeah, it was Riley, in the early 90s, yeah. yeah nine, uh, Riley came in in 93, I think. Or yeah, maybe there you go. It was the same 90, time. 92. Yeah, okay? same timeline. So, <laughs> I mean, it was literally a before and after event. Like, Pat Riley was not on our radar. 48 hours later, he's at the podium, and he's saying, you're going to win. Yeah. It was that blunt. Yeah. He's like, you've been losing. You're not going to be losing anymore. Yeah. That's what he comes in and says. Yeah. And he's totally confident. Yeah. And he's like, and we're not switching up all the players. We're not getting rid of anybody. We're going to take the players that have been losing, and we're going to win with them. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did. It's and it thing, happened. Same thing it, the tuna did here. And you saw it in preseason. Yep. It's like, oh, my God. We're playing defense. Like, oh, my God. Ewing's blocking shots. What's going on? Yeah. So he took, you know, they, I mean, they made a couple of deals, but, but essentially he take keep, you know, pulls John Starks off the street, pulls Anthony Mason off the street. Mm. Nobody even knew who the guy was. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's manning up against Pippen in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that's the value of great coaching. Yeah. So and Pat Riley, like, so everybody's like, well, the Knicks can't win with Pat Riley because we're gonna, you know, we need to run the court. We need to, we need to be a fast break team. No, 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 no. Not Pat in that Riley, era. He went from the Jack Rabbit Lakers running up and down yeah. the court to using the entire shot clock, playing defense, limiting possessions. He com- he coached the complete polar opposite. Changed the league in the, of what in, of what he did in the eighties. Changed the league in that decade for sure. It was pure Belichick. Yeah. He's like, oh, this is what I have. Okay, well, this is how we'll we're going to play. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, you know, that's how quick it happens. And, it, I mean, that's how valuable coaching is. Yeah, hey, I wrote it in one of my articles when I took kind of, you know, I said, you know, Brady, you owe us two more years a couple of, a couple of months ago, and I was pissed about the Garoppolo thing. And, uh, but I wrote, you know, I, I remember what it was like. You know, some people don't know what it was like. It was awful here for a long time right. as a thank you for fan. Thank you for bringing awful. me Thank you for bringing me back to the point, yeah. th- which was – that those same fans who saw Pat Riley walk up to the podium say, losing is over, we're going to win, yeah. and the next thing you know, like a finger snap later, we're dropping 50-win seasons one after the other. Yep. And, you know, anybody with just a semblance of a clue has to know that it's the guy with the slick back hair that's doing this. Yeah. It's clipboard guy over there. It's not. the. I mean, the players are doing it, but... If we just put John McLeod where Riley is standing, everything changes. No question, right? So, but then, but but then, once the team's winning for a couple of years, fans somehow in their heads start making this connection that it's us. Well, they get fi- they get we're f- great fans, and this is a basketball city, and they get we've fickle. got a great team, and who needs Pat Riley? Yeah, they, <laughs> you know, they get they, they get fickle, and if if you don't win, and if you win consistently, well, yeah. and you don't continue go, winning, they get more fickle. Go play the tapes of the forty eight hours, well, probably more like four hundred hours on WEI after the Super Bowl last year. Oh, it was it was Just Ar- to it. It's Armageddon. People want to burn Belichick. Yeah. Not People me. Like, Put Belichick on the post and light a fire. Not it's, me. It's I, crazy. Yeah, I was I was firm on my feet with Belichick. I always will be. He changed everything. Uh, I mean, just I mean, it's just it's. I, I mean, there were, I, I read conspiracy theories that Belichick wanted to lose. I I mean, do you remember that stuff? Oh yeah. I mean, this was like fairly common on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting there like, what, what, what are you talking about? What's wrong with these people? Yeah. Like, you've got. The best coach in the history of football. In the history of coaching, I think. Yeah, like, I think... In American sport. Uh, I don't like, know who's coaching me, in Italy. Like, in you know, in but... basketball, you've got Auerbach, Pat Riley, and Popovich. 
in football, you've got Lombardi, Belichick. Walsh, Belichick. Yep. Um, you know, and in baseball, managers don't really mean anything. So gonna... Shout out to Sparky Anderson. He was the well, go-to. No, no, no. There's good managers and yeah. bad. But I, I, if you talk to really smart baseball people, they'll tell you managers can maybe win you like three or four yeah. extra games. I put Frank Cohen in there. Uh, cause I, cause I, no, no. There's yeah. good and bad managers. Yeah. But the idea that your manager can't do for a baseball team what a coach can do it's for too a football many games. team. It's games. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Well, they, no. You, but you, baseball's an individual sport. Yeah. It's not the, the strategy right. and the game plan. There's and no the scheme scheming, in scheming, baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's no, yeah. you know, you don't have to make the collective function as one. And, you know, baseball is all analytics, you know, put yep. the shift on. Yep. And then in the American League, you don't even do much pinch hitting, right? Yeah. For years, the managers in baseball used to be, be drunk. I mean, right. I mean, you, you, you set the lineup and you count the, the pitches. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> He's at 110. We got to bring somebody in. You know, like that's, you know, it's. The abacus I, says 100. That's, yeah. Yep. Look, let's be honest. You and I could manage an MLB baseball team. I think I could. You and I could do it. Yeah. We might not be the best managers. Yeah. But we can fill out a lineup card. I can. <laughs> I can walk out to the mound, take the ball, raise my right hand, and bring the guy in from the ball. I can get you 74 wins. I'm pretty confident about I, no, that. No, I'm not trying to be a jerk <laughs> about this. But, but there was a thing in New York, um, like last year, it might have been the year before, where Francesa said he could manage the Yankees. And, you know, while I think he's a gas bag, and, yeah. you know, does not deserve his audience. Um, or his... You know, Marconi's and all that shit he gets. It the, blows the, my mind. The point is... He probably could. <laughs> he probably could manage yeah. the Yankees. It yeah. wouldn't be... Would he be as good as Joe Girardi or Boone? No. But, like, if you could just convince everybody that Mike had managerial experience, no one would notice. Yeah. Like, oh, there's there's a fat guy on the bench with a card in his hand. Yeah, that's a major league manager. There we go. <laughs> you know? Like Jim Fragosi. Yeah. Yep. But if I put on 50 pounds, I could do it. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'm saying. All right. But 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 for you and me to even run the first twenty minutes of a football no, practice, no, 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 we would be we would be seen as frauds. Oh yeah, like within ten seconds, no question, <laughs> no question. That, that's all. I'm saying. Wouldn't even wouldn't even wouldn't even need the coach's shorts right. and socks and clipboard. You wouldn't right. need it. Yeah. And hockey is somewhere between baseball and basketball, closer to basketball. Hockey, you have to you definitely have to know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, just just because line changes alone, or yeah, I like like I've been watching hockey my whole life. I still don't understand how they get those line changes so good. Yeah, that 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 they do well. I don't know about hockey, but no, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like 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 how teams. I mean, like don't... I don't know how important. The, I mean, I know what a coach is important, obviously, but it's not definitely, like football. Yeah, no, it's not like football. Coaching hockey is definitely important, and 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 coaches really can set the tone in hockey for yeah. sure. Um, but the, the one thing that always blows my mind about hockey is how they're not caught on changes more. You know? Yeah, it happens fast. They got to get up and over those boards and off the ice right. pretty quickly. But you, know? you, watch, you watch an NHL game, teams don't get caught on a change more than maybe once a night. Yeah, if Something that. like that. Yeah. Right, exactly. So they're de- I'm just saying there's definitely some high-level stuff going on yeah. there. Because, I mean, what? how many people are on the ice at a time? Six? Yeah, five on each, and two, on, five on each side, two goalies. Right. So the idea that you're literally like shifting half the team at a time. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right, I'll give him that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How, how much hockey do you watch? Uh, I watch the Bruins a couple nights a week. You know what I mean? Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm like once a month Ranger game. Yeah. That's about it. I I, t- I check in on the Bruins. I, I ramp up. Like when, when football season's going on, 
we'll put it this way: if the Celtics, right. oh, are, obviously we're not talking about the playoffs where you catch yeah. every minute. Yeah, but that's, it's, that's it, different. Put it, here's, here's where I am with the Bruins. The Bruins are my clear fourth. If the Celtics and the Bruins are on the same night, I'm watching the Celtics a hundred percent of the time, a hundred percent. If the Celtics aren't on, I'll watch the Bees. Once you get out of football season, once you get past the Super Bowl and the parades and all that stuff, I'll start to check in on the Bruins more. But they lose to the Celtics for me a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, that's not. I'm I'm definitely the same way. Although it's the problem is now I can't watch the Knicks. So yeah, well, I, I it's almost getting to the point now where I can watch them again. But you know, of course, I was right almost there last year. And what happens? Porzingis ACL. Yeah, it was too bad. <laughs> it's brutal. Um, but but some you have to admit playoff hockey. No, it's phenomenal. It really doesn't get much better than playoff hockey. I remember when I was in college. Olympic back in the, hockey in the playoff 90s. hockey. Phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, like those – you and I have joked about it so many times when, when Sanderson was announcing the games and they had Lemelin and Moog yep. and Neely and Janney and all those guys. Um, those Some of those playoff runs were unbelievable. Phenomenal. Oh, it was great. I mean, they always lost, but – I mean, eventually. Well, they always went deep. They always got to like the close to well, the yeah, conference finals. Bork and goaltending, and but they never. They yeah, always. Nearly. They always left you crying at the very end. Oh, they at never, the very end, when yeah. they got knocked out, <laughs> that was very sudden. They never did. They never <laughs> references, but they, they, they just never did enough. You know, they were always one player short. You know, they just screwed with their fan base. And Janney always had a concussion. Yeah, the Bruins. Yeah. The Bruins. The Bruins. The music died for me with the Bruins because I just know too much. I worked over there for seven years, and. Uh, they don't give a shit about you guys. <laughs> they, you know, they, they they did a good job in 2011 or 2009 when they brought Chirelli in. They kind of changed that old Jacob Sinden kind of makeup that the organization had, which was be competitive, you know, make the playoffs, make a ton of money, and see what we can do with what we have versus really going for it. And uh, you know, it just over time, like sometimes you look at an ex girlfriend, you're like, eh. you know, I just kind of get tired. Right? I was happy when they won an 11. I was upset for them. And friends I have over there when they lost to the Blackhawks in 12, although it was a great Stanley Cup. But, uh, you know, the music kind of died. And then you get older, you and it's like, how much can you, how much can you absorb? You know, I'm you can't immersed exist. in fantasy football and Boston sports, and just like, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a stepchild to me. Well, you can't exist in the Boston market without making a run at it. I mean, like, well, yeah, winning begets winning. Like, and that's the thing. Like, you know, we, we well, t- but, I mean, if you're in the Boston market, like the New York market, the Yankees compete with the Mets. But in the Boston market, the, the sports are alone. You want one of each team. Yeah. So the teams are competing with each other. Yeah. For corporate money, right? All the but, time. They right. Sp- so yeah. like, if you're the, my point is, if you're the Bruins, you look like you look at the Patriots, you look at the Red Sox and the, Red Sox. And the Celtics. The Celtics the, are the, great right, organization. Right. The standards really high. You yeah. can't just sit there and play it safe. That's what I'm saying. Like winning bigots winning. They they have to be competitive for sponsorship dollars. They have to be competitive. For ticket sales, they have to be competitive oh, you mean, for branding. Okay, I see what you mean. No, you but, mean winning on the field begets winning in the pocket. Everywhere. It just, keep, right. it just keeps going. That, that's why you. we're in this run. The, the biggest reason we're in this run, and we talked about it kind of at the outset, with Kraft buying the team. Think about their ownership situation. They've got, they've got you know, Kraft, local guy, um, owns the Patriots, great stability with Belichick and, and all his guys. Um, you've got Wick Rousbeck, you know, who, who, who owns the Celtics, local guy, actually wanted to make a run at the Red Sox from what I understand many years ago, um, loves the Celtics, has great stability with Danny Ainge and his group. You've got the Red Sox ownership. They are all in. I don't care what anyone says about the Red Sox guys. You know, Werner and Lucchino and Henry and all those guys, when they came in, they were out-of-towners. Those guys made this. They, made, they, got every, they squeezed every possible penny of opportunity 
opportunity out of Fenway Park. They made the experience better. They've done nothing but put winning teams on the field. Great situation there. And and the, many, and the Bruins are even, you know, the Bruins are the one that have kind of, it's a they've had stable ownership for years. They kind of have a thanks dad situation. Like, you know, Jeremy Jacobs' son, Charlie, took it over. But he was smart enough to kind of break out and say, we have to get unbruinsy and bring some new blood in here. And they've done that. So what year did the, what year did the Red them. Sox, what year did the Red Sox ownership change? Oh, two. It was 02. Yep. Okay. 02. Um, They've been unbelievable ever since. So. Well, you had one bad year in. Uh, no, we had two. It? Two. They finished. They finished last a couple times with Farrell. Anyway, um, right. What year was that? That was. Uh, they won it in thir- 12, 2012. Okay. Oh, right. that was Bobby Valentine, actually. 2012. Right, right. You had the Valentine yeah. experience. <laughs> it's a train wreck. 2012. How they much of that do you put off. on Valentine? Um, a lot of it. He shouldn't have been hired. That's the first thing. He well, was, no, we. Every, I think everybody agrees on that. Yeah. But, but there were some. Dude, they won the World Series the next year. I put like right. oh, nearly a hundred percent of it on Valentine. He but was it felt awful. like I don't know. That team felt less talented than the other teams. So they brought in some big, nice pieces. You know, right. that were under the radar, like Gomes and Napoli, and and was that uh, the uh, and who's the guy in and Poppy had that one downturn where he wasn't good for like a season and a half or something. No, he? it wasn't that long. He had it a couple. He long. had a couple rough starts. You know, like right, in right, April, right. May, and then he just exploded. But the average came down. A little bit, but then yeah. in thirteen he was a monster. <laughs> right, no, right, right, right. Thirteen he was. Well, a no, no, monster. I remember. I remember when all of a sudden he started hitting again. It was like, wow. Yeah. I thought that guy was done, and yeah. all of a sudden he's like, you can't get him out. I know. I mean, what he did to the Yankees. Oh my lord! I'm trying to think of the right fielder he was on the field. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved every second of it. I'm blanking on. Uh, I'm blanking on the the right fielder. He was great. He was on the Phillies. He won a World Series there too. Hawaiian guy comes to the plate. Every little thing's gonna be all right. Was his entrance song? What the heck was his name? I'm blanking. Getting old, guys. Uh, dude, I do. I haven't. I haven't slept in days. So don't don't think I'm about to pull this name out. It's not uh, happening. Shit. Anyway, all right. So hey, a little Boston sports reminiscence. There we go. I miss. I miss living up there because Boston sports really are a lot of fun. It's passionate, man. Yeah, it's you know it's it's a different vibe than New York. We we've I think we've talked about this on this pod at least a couple times. But in New York, no matter what team you root for, even if it's the Yankees, most people don't care. Like, you're a big Yankee fan, and the Yankee fans just win the World Series. You walk outside, yeah. the person you bump into, odds are, is not going to be a Yankee fan. Oh, yeah. They're going to be a non-baseball fan. They're going to be a Met fan. They're going to be a Red Sox they, fan. They don't give a shit. There's yeah. more Red Sox fans in New York than you realize. Well, there's a lot, me. because you know what that comes from is when, when um, they, they were all the Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Dodgers and the, and the Mets, they hated each other. You know what I mean? So a lot well, of those right. a lot of those York, fans had nowhere to go. We used to be a three-team city way back in the day. Um Brooklyn Dodgers, New York Giants, New York Yankees. Um, but uh, but the Boston fans that I know, most of them are just people who grew up in Boston and this is where they got a job. Yeah. You know? Um, so there's just there's a lot of Bostonians living in the New York area. And Gene know, Victorino. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't, I, know, if, why, I, I don't if, know why that took me so long, but sorry. Yeah. I think you said it just when you thought about it. Um, yeah, Victorino's a good ball player. Oh, yeah, man. He good, was a nice short stroke. Good yep, contact hitter. Yep, um, good fielder. A very good defensive player. Good base player. runner. And, yeah, just a real hustle. Good guy. energy. Um, good attitude. And a real – I like – don't get me going on baseball, but my favorite thing in a baseball player is to be a good two-strike hitter. Yeah. I love good two-strike They got hitters. one now. They They're got... the most valuable things you can have in the playoffs. And it's like when the Mets traded Daniel Murphy, I was done. Mm. I, I'm like that is because it's not the trade itself, which is awful. Don't get me wrong, but it's the fact that ownership on any level yeah. 
would think that that's smart. Yeah. When you've got the best young pitching staff in baseball, you were just in the World Series, and you're going to take your best two-strike hitter? Stupid. And go cheap? He wouldn't even cost that much money. Yeah. So as a fan, I'm like, you know what? I can't, I can't put... I can't give you my heart to trample on if yeah. you're going to be that stupid. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about the Bruins years ago. But It's the, like going back to date that girl who's cheated on you 15 times. Yeah. Not that I know what that's like. But, you know, but that's what a Met fan is doing at that point. If you continue to let these people hurt you after they're going to be that stupid. Yeah. You know? And hey, look, I'm dedicated, right? They moved Jose Reyes to second base for Kaz Matsui, mm. which is like a baseball crime. You know? That's like moving Brady to fullback. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> You know, and saying, well, you know, look, I mean, this other quarterback, you know, he was such a value, yeah. you know. You know, and the Mets, and I remember the Mets, their, you know, the off-season marketing pamphlet you get in the mail. You guys aren't going to believe Kaz Matsui. Mm. Yeah. Ironically, you were correct. <laughs> we, did, we didn't believe it. But you took an all-star gold glove shortstop and you moved him to second base so you could make a splash move with a guy who played in the, the Japanese leagues who, as it turns out, can't play at the major league level uh, of the position. Uh, I remember. Literally couldn't play the position. So anyway. um, Real quick on two-strike hitters. The Red Sox have a – I think the best two-strike hitter I've seen since Wade Boggs in a Red Sox uniform is Xander Bogarts. Right, and when you're in playoff – Great two-strike hitter, man. Because the minute you get into playoff baseball, everything changes. Every at-bat is crucial. The the only thing that's bad are outs, right? Yeah. Like in a playoff game, a walk – well, you know the old, a walk is good as a hit? A walk a pl- is be- sometimes a better than game, a hit in a playoff right? game. In a playoff game, any yeah. non-out is yeah. huge. Yeah. And Daniel Murphy gave you non-outs. He hit, and, the, and here's the other thing. Yep. The ability to hit quality pitching. Mistake hitters are worthless in the playoffs. They are completely worthless because yep. the mistake rate goes way down. Because the teams in the playoffs they all could. have good pitching. Yep. They don't have mistake pitchers. So, you know... Guys like Lucas Duda, you know, who the Mets love, you get into a playoffs, he's going to be a 220 hitter. He's going to hit one home run in the playoffs, and that's going to be it. But no, they get rid of Daniel Murphy, who's the best contact hitter in the National League at the time they got yeah. rid of him. Anyway, I'm done. Okay. We go way off track. The only other thing no, I was. No, that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. The only thing I'm, I, I'm, I'm cognizant of is a couple producers have walked down the hallway like a few times, so we should probably just kind of get into our stuff and then let's do all... Let's do lightning round football. All right. Let's do it. So we kind of were talking uh, before our little historical rants on sports, which is fun, by the way. I don't regret that at all. But uh, <laughs> so, some of the. Except that I wish we hadn't done it and I'd like to rewind the tape. <laughs> some, of the, uh, some of the injuries, though, out of week one were rough. And it leaves fantasy owners, uh, you know, and you know in, what's messed in up a, in, a, in a tough spot. But you know, so but free agency, you know, waiver wires no, open you know up on Wednesday, up. but like it still goes right. You know what's messed up? What do you got? It wasn't a bad week one for injuries. It's typical. Well, it, but what I mean is like prominence of player, but it is typical. No, but, You're right because there's right, injuries every that's year. Not, that wasn't yeah. a bad week one. Yeah, we lost a couple tight ends. You know. Yeah, but, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, but I mean, like, none, you of know, the, none of the first round. Normally, the, a first round running back is gone by now. Well, Freeman's not playing. Fournette's probably yeah, Freeman not going to play. Though. Yeah. No, I'm talking about David Johnson last year. I'm For talking the, about oh, like, Jamal Charles. Yeah. I'm talking about Jamal. Remember when Jamal Lewis went down? Oh yeah. Um, and uh, the other Jamal. Remember who was the dirty bird? Jamal Anderson. Jamal Anderson. Yeah, Jamal Anderson yeah. went down with an ACL week one. Like every year, it seems like some just soul crushing injury yeah. happens week one and. You know, Jeremy look, Hill went down, but he was like, you know, he's not right. a key Nobody, component. Not but, even remotely. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sorry if you lost Delaney Walker. I lost Olsen on a couple teams. It stinks. Yep. 
but we'll 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 figure that out. Yep. We'll rebound from that. Hey, one thing I wanted to point out on uh, on the Twitter sphere today that I just and, and I'm on. A, yeah, I know you love Quincy and Numwa, and why wouldn't you? You're a Jets fan, and I have him as a player. But uh, Donald had some nice comments to say about him, and I think that what I liked about them beyond just he's you know he's great to throw to, but he gets them like he gets what he does. Like Darnold. man, he's strong and he goes for the ball. Like he got what the things that we like about a Numwa. Donald can see very quickly and clearly. I think right. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it stands I, out. Uh, uh, Darnold does have that. Um, he's got that vibe. He gets it. Like, yeah, he, he looks. Gets, he, he gets yeah. it well, but he gets it. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's a legitimate he NFL quarterback. He, he looks at. Oh, me. he's. <laughs> he's. I think he's more than that. Here's the problem for Sam Darnold. You want to say it, or do you want me to say? Go ahead. He's what on the Jets. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. So the, the, literally, the question is: Can Sam Darnold transform the Over, mentality yeah. of the building? Like yeah. we're like the Jets aren't going to get a GM or a coach to do it. We don't have a Pat Riley, a Bill Parcells, or a Bill Belichick. Yeah, we've got. And our, I don't. I don't mind the head coach. Bowles is okay. Uh, the GM has been a train wreck. Mm. So you know, except for the Darnold thing. Um, you know, yes, after three years, he figured out that we need to get a quarterback. That's way to go. Mike. That one kind of fell on you, too, at the third right. pick. But yeah. Well, uh, look, I give him full credit for giving up the three number two picks. Yeah, yeah he had to do that. I, I, I think yep. he deserves credit for that. And I was skeptical when he did it. I'll fully admit it. Because in my mind, we didn't get Darnold with the move because we're at the three and he's the number one on my board. Right. So, you know, as it turns out, it was a great move. But we were relying on the stupidity of the Giants. And so, they, they they gave you what you needed. Boy, did they. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, man. And they showed their hand. I'll never get over how much, like, just well, that's, what a see, lack of poker t- they played, you know? Did we talk about this? Yeah, I, I think I, in the off season we did. I, I, well, on the, I think we might have talked about this about a month ago on the podcast, but I have a, I have a theory that the Giants hooked the Jets up, that they said, we're taking Barkley. You know, mm. like, like the Jets knew. If, yeah, they, maybe, if, they, yeah. if they didn't, they got really lucky mm. because the GM is not going to look as smart if it's Rosen. Rosen May- is not Darnold in my yeah. Opinion. It Mayfield. Yeah, I, I think I don't think they're interchangeable, but I don't, I don't think you'd be in a bad place with oh, him either. But I like I, this guy. I, I would be yeah. dancing. I would be Costanza dancing through Central Park with <laughs> the gloves on his hands when he you know when he got the the hand modeling yeah, contract. Right. I would be yeah. I would be Costanza That's if we if we got Mayfield. Yeah. No, Mayfield would be phenomenal, but. Darnold or Mayfield, and I'm the happiest guy in the world. Yeah. But when you move up to the two, the three spot, there should be a really good chance you're not getting either one. Yeah. Like if the two teams in front of you are doing, yeah, they should have taken those two guys. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, I don't know if you watched a giant game last week. Barkley looked good. Yeah, he's a good player. And, and Saquon's he's all that in a bag of chips, but he's a running back. Like you don't, <laughs> running backs don't last ten years. Yeah. You went all in on them. Man. It's like you you're the Giants. You've got ancient Eli Manning who arguably is done, but if he's not done, he's certainly done soon. He looked, he looked done like two years ago in some ways, you know? It, it, there, are some a lot of, there are a lot of very smart people who think he's washed. Yeah. I, now, I'm, I, don't, I think he's still okay, but either way, you've got a chance to get a, a player at the most important position who's got a 10-year shelf life, or more, if you look at Brady and some of these other guys, but let's just say a decade or you can take a player at one of the most replaceable positions who's got a six or seven year shelf life Hmm. that should be an easy choice right 
You would think. I mean, I to me that should be an easy choice. Yeah, I mean, to me, like it, and and if running back is what you need, this is an incredibly strong deep running back class, and you've got the the second pick of the second round. So they could have gone, they they could have gone Darnold Chubb. To me, yeah, they could have yeah, exactly. Like to me, what 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 didn't make sense to me with with that whole thing was just how transparent, unnecessarily transparent they were. It's like, look at you, you. Well, right, exactly. We're not taking phone calls. Well, good luck getting a land a windfall trade if you're not taking phone yeah, calls. Yeah, I, I you mean, moron. It's They're like stupid. that idiot in your fantasy league who decides to deal their best player because they're zero and two and only talks to one team. Yeah, I mean, makes a bad deal, and then everybody else in the league is, oh my god, that guy was available. Like if you, value, I would have given you two guys for right. him. You if know? you value that player and that position to be able to get that player so much, then shut up and and get something for it. Either get the guy you want, or get put some feelers well, out there. But it was just stupid to me. Well, I mean, like, I I don't know. I mean, listen, it's definitely possible that Gettleman said that, but was working the phones. Also, maybe like, like he might have just been saying that to say that. I don't know. Like, I have trouble believing that any GM could be that stupid to to literally not find out the value of an asset that you hold. Yeah. Right. Like, imagine having a used Ferrari and selling it without looking up its blue book value. Yeah, I know. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like the first thing you want to find out when you have an asset is how much is it worth? You I will, know, I will if it's a house, you you yeah, you get an assessor and you have him assess yeah. your house. If it's a diamond ring, you take it to a jewelry store and you have the guy with the little magnifying thing look right. at look it. Look at like, it. There's right. so many carrots you, it is. You and, determine yeah. how much this is worth. How when clean you have, it is. Yeah. Right. If you're a team like the Giants, you get the second overall pick like once every thirty years. Yeah. And then when you get it, you just go, nope, running back. Yeah. <laughs> it's. It's stupid. It would be a colossally stupid thing to do to the point where I still have trouble believing that that's what they actually I did. I know. And it's again, uh, it's not that they didn't get a good player. They did, but you know, right. the way they went about it was just ridiculous. Well, you and I talked about it on the podcast after the draft. At the ver- at the bare minimum, they should turn to the Jets and say, "Give me your third rounder and we'll swap with you." Yeah. And, you know, cuz we're not 100% sure we're taking the running back. And if you're the Jets and you just gave up three number twos to move up to the 3, <laughs> imagine the Jets being dumb enough to say, "Nah, we're going to stick here." Yeah, and then the Giants trade the two to the Bills, and the Bills take Darnold. Oh boy! Like I mean, but that's my point. Like if you were the Jets, it would it would it's almost like just they have no choice. Yes, here's my third round. I have no choice. I have to say yes to this. Yeah, and if you're the Giants, at least then people would go, well, the Giants did something. They got their guy. They backed up one. You know, they 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 go to a lower rookie salary slot. They saved a couple hundred thousand dollars, and they got a third-round pick. At least they were proactive. Right. But, you know, their their GM looks like Trump. He's sitting there, arms folded, and he's refusing to say anything. Right. Like, remember him at the summit? Yeah. He's like that guy. So I, it, it, if I'm a Giant fan, I'm infuriated just by the lack of proactivity. Yeah. Like the if the lack G- of action, right? Like if yeah. if Gettleman had said, "Look, we called, we called the ten teams picking behind us. None of them offered anything significant. We don't like these quarterbacks as much as consensus, and we're taking this guy because of X, Y, Z." At least it makes some sense. You'd have a rationale, yeah. Right. We kicked the tires. We talked. We don't like the offers we got, and we're going this way. But his response—that's that's not what he said. No. Anyway, yeah, it's nuts. And and, the, and listen, this is a fantasy pod, and I'm sure some people are like, "Hey, 
Give us some nuggets. <laughs> the, the lesson of all this is that always know the value of what's on your team. Yeah. Like if you're in a dynasty league, it you should always know what startup ADP is because it's an excellent way to gauge the trade value of all the chips in your that you're holding. Yeah. So, you know, if you're sitting there and you've got and you've got um you know, this rookie running back, you've got, um, say, Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb's been going in the ninth round of startup drafts. You can go look at the other players going in the ninth round, and that's roughly what you can expect to get for him in a for trade. A trade, right, yeah. Right? So if somebody's calling you up and offering you some guy who's being taken in the 14th round of Dynasty startups, you can turn around and say, hey, you're five rounds light. You know, you're going to have to give me a second round pick to make this work. And there's not much you can come back with because it's right there in front of you. Right. Well, that's the one thing I like about trading in Dynasty is when the, when the, when, like, when you're in a redraft. The apples should compare. You can't really, yeah. Well, they don't have to because you can backfill it with, like, if you're in a redraft league and you're like, well, I really like your RB2 and you really like my wide receiver four, we can't move those two players. Mm. But in a Dynasty league, we can do the deal. And in addition to the receiver, you can include a second round pick picks, and balance yeah. it out. Yep. That that's one cool thing about dynasty trades. Yeah. Um, but to be able to do that, you have to know the value of all the chips involved. Um, so, you know, endeavor to do that if you're not doing that with your dynasty deals. Yeah. Um, and to the other thing we said, if you if you are that team who's zero and three, and you spent ninety dollars, <laughs> you know, to get David Johnson. And you're going to trade Johnson. Make sure you tell every single owner in that yeah, league that you're going to. Yeah. Right. You want everybody in the league to know you're talking David Johnson trade. Yeah. Get the not pe- just the two people you know best, not just the person you made a good deal with last year, you know, not just the one person who called you. Like, put it on the message board. David Johnson available. Well, a lot it's, of, it's important. Well, a lot of websites also make it easier now. They've got like the trade block. They can you can actually just say, "Hey, look!" Right. At, so you can actually right. communicate in one shot. So that makes life a little bit easier. Yeah, with that. put them on the block, and you should. That's another thing. You should probably update your trade block every week in seasonal and dynasty. Always update the trade block, even if you just go in and reset it at the same exact thing. Like you don't have to change the information, but just go in and hit accept yeah and you know everybody in your league will see that you're yeah you keep refreshing it so people can see it as like, right, a like note oh yeah out. pete's got guys on his block who does he have oh oh i like that guy yeah you know it's and, and, conversation and you know and, and and know the league you're in right like in some leagues the best thing is to just put the guys you really want to move on the block but in some leagues just put everybody up there yeah and see who bites <laughs> and like what right, you can find, get because yeah. right you'll find out who people are interested in you'll find out which players on your team are the most marketable and and you may end up getting a trade idea you hadn't thought of yeah and, and Pete and I are riverboat gamblers we we, we play in league, uh, a couple of leagues you are. That, <laughs> we play in leagues that trade a lot you know what I mean or, or Trader Jim yeah but who's historically trade we seek out trades we're in, we're in, in leagues with good drafters so sometimes you have a hole you have to fix and the trade's the best way to go about it so well, one of the ways. The best thing about trading with Hackett are the novels that you get in terms <laughs> of trade messages. Offering. Yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I've gotten thousand word trade offers from you. <laughs> the like, like columns. Pete, let me tell you about why this is a good deal for you. <laughs> I give it a lot of thought. You know, I'm trying to wrap it around so it makes sense. There are some owners who who like actually read the diatribe and then they act. You know, that makes sense. Like Joho, Joho jumps in and then always. You're like a response. salesman, Pete. How can I put how can I put you into a bed Obamanu today? 
Played seven uh, snaps last week. He, for he was on the field. I actually <laughs> saw him on the field on my television screen. So don't tell me he's not playing. All right, I got to wrap, man. I'm I'm gonna eat my own face if I don't get out of here. Uh, All right, let's do let's let's do a little bit of lightning round just so people don't feel that we totally sure blew them off. Jack, this what do you want to hit? Well, let let's let's talk about the best games of the week. All right. All right. There. Well, and let's let's start with you. Are there any games on the slate that really just jumped at you? Hmm. And you you can throw this to me if you don't have anything. But like I'll I'll give you I'll give you my thing. Here I go. see. I well I'll, I'll start this way. I see three games that I really want to be involved in. All right, hit it. You don't want to take a guess? No, hit it. Take a guess. All right. You're too hungry to take a guess. <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll start with mine. So the the first game, it, it should be obvious. I mean, Pittsburgh, Kansas oh, yeah. City. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. I mean, and Ro- it looks like Roethlisberger right. is going to be okay. You know, he's going to be. Yeah, know, everybody's going to be in this game. Yeah. Roethl- I mean, <laughs> there's no way Roethlisberger's sitting this game. No, it's a big game. A right. lot of offense in and that game for sure. We, I faded Ben last week. I don't like Ben on the road. I'm glad I did that, but there is no way in hell I'm fading him against the Mad Bomber because we've got, as Hack likes to say, Daryl LaMonica oh, coming dude, to he's, town. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Um, Mo- Mahomes is exactly what we thought he was so far. Um, he's putting the ball in the air. He's throwing the thing downfield. And um, Pittsburgh, I think, is going to do the same. So this is going to be a fun game. The over-under is over 50 points. Uh, implied total for KC, 24. Implied for Pittsburgh, 29. And I could see it being more. These teams are out of division, so you're not going to have a lot of familiarity. I think both teams are going to be aggressive early. So this is definitely a game I want to get involved in. Um, The other one, another one that I really, really like is the Saints. I was going to say the Saints. Yeah, that's the one that was kind of – that was the one that was I was kind of kicking on. I'm like, "Mm, I'll weigh in. Okay, so – well, obviously the Saints are sitting there twenty nine eight in five point total. Oh my! Yeah. But the only way that really works is if Cleveland shows up, and based on what I saw last week, I think Cleveland could do pretty well in this matchup. Look at man, they, they've got some talent there, you know, and and I all actually like the way them, Tyrod's playing. You know, all we need them to do is come in a little bit above their implied total. Like, yeah. We don't need thirty points out of Cleveland if they can just give us twenty four. I think we can have a lot of fun with this one. Yep. Um, so, like, to me, that game is just, like, an early – like, if uh, all we need is a good start from the Browns, yeah. that game can go crazy. No doubt. So I definitely want some action in that game. I got um, another, I got one for you. Okay. How about, uh, how about um, Carolina and Atlanta? You think something could be there? The thing I don't Atlanta like about came that, out. Atlanta came out ugly last week, but – Yeah, I don't like the familiarity of that game. Mm, like, yeah, division it, division yeah. games always scare me. Um, and I don't like – Newton hasn't been able to like, throw for over 200 yards against them, and their corners are so strong. Like, I could see and, – and it looks like Freeman's going to be out. Um, like, there are players I like in this game, but I don't know if I like trying to, like, get into the whole sure. game. Sure, yeah. So, like, I definitely like McCaffrey as a floor play against the Falcons because the Falcons give up a lot of receptions to running backs. And, you know, they basically put their linebackers in a chasing situation intentionally. So I think McCaffrey could have one of those 9 or 10 catch for 120 yards receiving, and then anything you get as a running back is bonus. And if he scores, you're going to have a big day. So I like McCaffrey. Um, The chalk, everybody's on um, Funchess in this game Mm. because Funchess gets a lot of targets when Olsen's out and Olsen's out. Um, 
I don't know. I'm not really feeling Funchess, but I can see why everybody likes him. Uh, and then on the other side, Julio Jones got targeted like almost 20 times. I think actually maybe even over 20 times against the Panthers last year. Hold on. I've got my notes. 23 targets in two games wow. against the Falcons last year. So wow. it's going to be tough to fade Julio this week. Um, if they keep him on the field in the red zone. Yeah. Now, the other game that I'm like sort of leaning in on and getting a little... A little giddy? Yeah, a little excited about... Well, there's two of them. The, the one that I'm really in on, and I don't think anybody's going to be able to talk me out of, is the Lions and the Niners. Yeah. I think the Lions are going to be really pissed off. I think the Jets embarrassed them. They did, and the, I mean, like the Lions have a good offense. I mean, you didn't, right. you know? And, and even if you, like, like right, and, and I know we don't have time for a tangent, but I think it's really lame that the media is on Patricia this quickly. you got to read my article, man. And, and I think it's really lame that the quotes that are coming out, I think it's cheesy and weak. Yeah. And I think any player who's talking right now to the media about Patricia is a POS, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, read my uh, article. I could care less about Matt Patricia. This is not like yeah. – I'm just saying. like, It's just – anything they're saying about him now, it should have been coming out before the game. Yeah. That, that's what I would say. Read my, read, uh, read my article. People are talking, and, and they're all stupid, which will, uh, gets into that. I will definitely read your article. But implied point total for Detroit is 22, and I think it's low. Mm. Implied total for San Francisco is 25-5. I think this game's got a chance to hit 50. And and here's the thing. Even if the Patricia people are right, you hit the key point. The offense isn't a Patricia offense. Yeah. It's Cooter's offense, and I think the receivers are really good. Galladay, Tate, and Jones, man. They're really good, yeah. and the 49ers don't have defensive backs to handle them. So I think Detroit's going to be able to score in this game, and I think – I thought the Niners looked good enough last week where they'll be just fine against Detroit. Yeah. So I think this game has a lot of vertical capability. And then the one other game that I think is interesting, um, and Rodgers has to play. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah. But uh, Vikings-Packers, I think, has a chance to go. Well, that's a, it's a divisional that's game. That's a divisional so game, which is right. usually a worry, but these are two right. high-flying teams, man. Yeah, they can. I don't see how Green Bay can slow Minnesota down. Right they there. can't. They don't have the defense for that. I don't think they do. I agree I with really you. don't. I agree. With so there's those are there there are four games that I think are really interesting. Good this one. is a this is a strong slate. There's not that much bailout. Like last week, there was so much bailout pricing on DraftKings. There were so many ways to put good four thousand. Well, because the prices 000. come out so early too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. This week, the 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 pricing on DraftKings is much tighter. Um, so I think. You're gonna to have to make harder choices. Yep. All right. Cool. Let's wrap it up. We're gonna get. We're gonna walk the slate. We'll get into the Pats as we always do at eight o'clock in the first hour uh, or in the first uh, segment on the fantasy football hour on Sunday. Join us there. And, and tomorrow um, morning, I'm gonna do slate. for anybody who feels like they got shortchanged on actual fantasy football in this podcast, <laughs> which you um, did, but that's okay. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I'm saying it because it's true. Um, I'm gonna do uh, a solo um, DFS Rotobon pod tomorrow morning. Cool. Um, I'll hit every single game on the slate, um, and I'll talk about my the, the plays I'm using in each game. So if anybody wants that stuff, it's going to be there for free tomorrow yeah. morning. Yeah, and then get your questions at, at Rotobon on Twitter, and you get me at, at WEIHacksaw. Right. And, and I'll read the art- bloody article, guys. And I'll have an article coming up um, Saturday and probably one on Sunday as well. All right, sounds good. All right, Fantasy Football Hour on Sunday, 8 a.m. Join us. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.